in a few weeks, I'm going to uh, be kicking off the summer series, and we've got a theme that we are going to be exploring throughout the summer months. But um, we're sort of heading into that, and uh, what we have today is someone who's a close friend of our church community. Um, he's been here on now for more than, more than a few years. Uh, many of you know Jeff Louie, but I know not everybody does. Jeff has been pastoring. He just, in fact, he's in a transition in his life right now because he just completed a um, um, number of years at a church here in San Francisco of pastoring. 19 years he pastored there. He's been pastoring for 25 years. He just ended that term, and he has been teaching now as an associate professor of theology over at Western Seminary in Los Gatos. And really for Jeff and, and our church community, there's a bit of a relationship that we've been developing over the years. And every year we joke about it, but we say, Jeff, you know, you gotta give us the new version, the updated version of Jeff, right? And so he, he says, this, the ver this year's version is. And so that's sort of an ongoing uh, relationship that we have established. And so we're gonna hear the 09 version today. <laughs> And uh, we're looking forward to it, and, um, you know, I just feel that the Lord will bless us in the time that we have left together here. And so, if we can, just give Jeff a nice warm welcome. Can we do that? You don't know how a joy it is when I uh, look at my calendar and I see the date uh, that I'm coming to speak at Cornerstone. Over the years, I've developed a very fond relationship with Maybe not all of you, but a few of you. Um, uh, but oh, usually all of you. Uh, and I really look forward. I just love the people here. The 2009 version of, of, of Jeff is one that is marked by great change. That is probably the word that I would use uh, to describe uh, what I've gone through the past 12 months. Sometimes change is really easy. Take, for instance, this morning. I was trying to figure out what I was going to wear uh, always have, when you're a guest speaker, you know, what do you talk about? All oh, the passage that you choose is really important, but more important is the clothes you wear and whether you have matching shoes uh, for those clothes. And, but that was easily done for me because my wife actually last night laid out this beautiful ensemble for me to wear, uh, knowing that it would be hot and so dark clothing hides perspiration the best. That is why if there was even a black or black, I would be wearing it uh, because I perspire profusely. And uh, when she laid it out, I said to her, what a fine looking ensemble, my beautiful wife. Uh, I am not going to argue with her over which pants to wear or which shirt to wear. I'm just not gonna, okay, maybe when it comes down to the socks, that's a very personal choice, but when it comes to these other things, I'm not, you know, that, that, that looks fine to me, you know, that looks fine to me. So some things you just submit, it's really easy. You don't know, no, no, if, if, if you're fighting over that, okay, you need to see some counseling uh, uh, after the service, okay? Now other things are a little harder, a little fraught with tension and suspense and possibility of failure. And so there's little slightly bigger decisions to make. Now take for instance, next week, there's a big thing that's going on in my life for, for my youngest daughter, the last one in my family is getting married in San Juan Capistrano. Yeah, that's a wow, yeah. And um, <laughs> well, it's, it's a, it, my older daughter got married like two years ago and I thought that was hard. This one's harder, and let me tell you why. First, uh, believe it or not, I'm playing my first wedding gig next week. You know, you ever see the movie Wedding Singer? Okay, get that in your mind, okay, Adam Sandler, okay? Imagine me as Adam Sandler. I'll be playing the guitar for the mothers as they walk down the aisle. How sweet. 
surely when my wife comes down, I should not make a mistake on the, on the guitar. Uh, should really do well. So I'm, I'm actually practicing more than, 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 than uh, ever before, trying to get the song just right and the moment, okay? Now, if you think that's hard enough, well, right after I finish the song, I have to head right to the back and walk my daughter down the aisle. Now, I'm forgetting, is it left or right? And the theory is very highly debated uh, in terms of which arm you take your daughter. Uh, but, but this one's going to be really moving. And my, my daughter already told me not to cry when I you know, do the ceremony. And it's going to be really hard, really hard. The reason being is of everyone in my family, she's the only one that laughs at my jokes. <laughs> and you, know, you always have a warm spot for the one that laughs at your joke. <laughs> You don't quite have the warm spot for the person who looks like, you know, and it's like, they, yeah, yeah, they don't know. They, the, the person is either who laughs at your jokes, incredibly intelligent, or mildly insane, just like the joke uh, teller. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's a dear spot. Well, once I walk her down the aisle, and that's a fairly easy thing, I turn around and I do the ceremony. Say, yeah, yeah, you know. I told my daughter I want a big honorarium from her uh, <laughs> as, as a result of this thing. So she's, 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 I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the ceremony. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's, they're not having like your own vows and stuff. That's always kind of a tricky type of thing, you know, and then they'll, they always forget it and things like that. And so I'm, they're doing the standard, you know, dearly beloved, we are gathered here in the sight of God, you know, and stuff like that. I'm a professional. This stuff, this, this stuff, I'm paid to do this. Okay. Uh, uh, and so, I do it, and, but the hard thing is going to be when I hit the vows for my future son-in-law. You see, I'm going to say, do you take AVN to be your wedded wife? That's what I'm saying. What I'm thinking is you better take care of it. <laughs> you, better, you better really believe this and take it to heart, or you're going to answer to Mr. Fist, uh, uh, because this is really serious. This is the daughter that laughs at my jokes, you know? Uh, 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 you know, you, you, you don't, don't take this lightly, you know? And then, if you think that was easy, then comes the reception. I got to give a toast. And I don't like giving a toast. I'd rather preach to 5,000 people than to give a toast. I don't, what do you say? Here's mud in your eye, you know, break a leg, you know? It's like, I don't think it's quite applicable to say break a leg or something, a mud in your eye, you know? I said, what is that, you know? What, what do you do? Okay, if you think that was hard, then I have to do the first dance. Oh, wow. I have to pay good money this past few months to take lessons on how to dance, okay? And I'm not practicing, okay? And they know, the, the instructor knows that I'm not practicing, okay? And uh, so I got to do this, right? Hopefully be some coordination, you know, left, right, left, right, you know, look really, you know, take out maybe Saturday Night Fever the week before, you know, <laughs> take a look at some moves, you know, the right way. Uh, and then, if you think that wasn't enough, I have to do small talk for three hours during the dinner. I don't know about you. Small talk is like the worst thing, you know? What do you say? You got to make everyone feel like they're the most important person ever in the world, you know? Uh, and you got to, you know, for, for the next three hours. And it's like, well, what am I going to do? And I'm really introverted. It's like, you know, people don't understand that about me. I'm really introverted. So, you know, it's like, you know, I got to, I got to, I have to uh, rehearse the small talk questions, you know? Oh, so, so what do you do? You know, I, you know, I, that's always a good one there. Now, besides that, 
And you know, that's hard to do, but you know, in a week it's over. Make a mistake, no one's gonna remember unless they YouTube it or something like that. No, no, one's gonna, no one's gonna really care. Whether they have a happy marriage is not going to really be conditioned on whether that wedding ceremony goes good, you see? It, there's other factors in happy marriage, you see? So sometimes you bite the bullet in decisions. And you know, it'll pass. It's okay, it's hard, but you'll get through it. A lot of life is like that. You'll get through it. But there are some decisions that are kind of monumental. And they're hard to make because they're life changers. There's situations where you don't want to make a mistake because you're going to have to live with this for a long period of time. And you really want to make sure you make the right one. And I had that experience this past year because as Pastor Terry said, I, I pastored for 19 years at, at Sunset Church on the west side of San Francisco. Grew the church to over 1,000, which is like, you know, very large for the city of San Francisco. Pastored together for 26 years and came around March, April, I didn't do it anymore. And then 25 years of doing something and thinking that you do well in it, and even if I didn't do well, the fact that you think you did well is sometimes good enough to get you through. <laughs> And then you don't do it anymore. You know, try it. It'll cause you to sit back and think. You do something for two and a half decades, and you begin to see that's kind of like your self-worth. That's what I am. That's what I do. I mean, there's a lot of things tied up with it. So I had given my resignation in October of 2008, so I had a good, I don't know, eight, nine months to transition. And it was not the easiest time in the world. Because in those transitions and those crossroads and the decisions that all of us will make perhaps every decade in life, they are going to be very, very burdensome on you. And they are times of God where a mirror pops up and you begin to see yourself for who you are. Because change at that level is often very hard to transition into or out of. So what can we get in terms of advice from the scriptures concerning decision making, concerning our faith? And no matter if you are just someone who walked into Cornerstone to listen to a sermon for the first time and worship God and for the first time, or whether you are a veteran of Jesus Christ, we're going to look at a passage that is really going to give us, I think, some suggestions and tips and principles to help us. The passage I've chosen is in your program, and um, I'm going to read the first five verses, and then they'll put uh, verse 12 on the screen because it's not in your program. I'm going to read. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife? As do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas. And now comes verse 12. If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more, 
Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Now, I've been thinking about this whole chapter for a while and how difficult it must have been for the writer who is Paul to pen these and to live this because he's not talking about greedy things. As we read in the first five verses, he's talking about simple things, uh, drinking, eating. Later, he'll talk about like getting a salary from the people he, he works for, which is the, the church at, at, in, in, in Corinth. Then he'll even talk about marriage, things that we, we are like uh, uh, take for granted. Everyone has these rights to do. No one can take it away from us. And the conclusion you cannot make, the conclusion you cannot make is that Paul is trying to teach all of us to be like him and do the same thing. No, he is not telling us to do that because there's only a few people who ever get to that level who are called to be like that. Jesus Christ was one, Paul was one, and maybe there was some other person, okay? <laughs> None of us are going to live like this. So just get out of your head. None of us are going to live like this. But these principles that you're going to learn are going to be applied in some degree, hopefully, to everyone in this room. And we're going to apply it in two separate categories. I'm going to make it very, very clear. The first category is how we're going to see this passage for someone who is just uh, uh, seeking Jesus Christ um, for this period of time, trying to find out things about God perhaps come to this worship service uh, for a few times and still considering the pros and cons of, of believing in Christ. And then there's going to be another segment of this message that is aimed for veterans, people who have been here for a long time, people that I met uh, you with the first time I spoke here, you know, people, people, people like you. A lot of people are like that, and they'll fit in both categories. Well, first to the people who are just coming here, seeking God. What does this passage have to, have, uh, have to, uh, to say to me? How, how do I apply it? Well, let me tell you about that decision I made to, to leave my church in August of 2008. It was really difficult, I have to say, because it, it, it revealed to me exactly how much self-worth I put in what I did. That it was more than I could ever express, I could ever think that I would uh, 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 value in myself, my work. You can only understand how much you value something when they, it is no longer there and it is removed from you. And it was indeed a transition time, and it caused me to really ponder the depth of my faith. Because what happens in this world, what happens in California in the United States, is that what we have in this nation and this area is a form of, of, of what I call a modern uh, idolatry. You see, I, I, I would say that none of you this morning, after you woke up and chose your beautiful ensemble to come to this church, <laughs> that you went outside to your yard and bowed down to some carven image three or four times before you came into this, uh, uh, this auditorium. Now, maybe one, came, one did that. Okay, maybe one, okay? But, but, you know, we don't check IDs here so anyone can come in, okay? But, but I don't think very many of you did that. Maybe one, okay? And you know who you are, <laughs> okay? Most of you just, just come in, and we're not idolaters. We don't have any figurines. I'm not bowing down to anything. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm from Chinese descent. You know, I don't have no tangerines with incense burning, you know, you know uh, in my room, you know? I don't, I don't have that, you know? Uh, 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 but... 
But all of us are born in a default mode where there's something in our life that we put so much hope and security and sort of bound our life grounded upon it that if you take it from us or me or you, we would feel so bad that almost for some, I can't live anymore. That is the level of idolatry. I mean, all things are important in life, but there's a level in which it becomes such a security for you that it's beyond worry, it is beyond concern, it is on the level of life itself that if you take it, I don't know how I'm going to survive. And that is modern idolatry. And that occurs all across in, the, in America by default mode. Money is probably the one that comes to mind with the downturn in the economy and anyone who had money in, in uh, some stock market mutual fund retirement, you're worth like 30% less, at least, I tell you that. I know I am, you know, <laughs> worth 30% less. I know my house is worth less, you know. And it's not that you're not concerned about it. You are concerned about it, because it was a retirement, and I'm, I'm getting close to retirement age, I'm thinking about how I'm gonna retire. You're concerned about it. But there's a level in which you could kick it up to the point where it's like, I, I built my whole life on this. They've taken it away from me. And you're really obsessed, and you're really extremely worried, and you're, you're worried about, I can't, I, I, don't know, I can't live anymore. The, 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 your whole life is wrapped up on it. Sometimes it's work, and you have a job. But you work so hard that you neglect sometimes the people in our family. I had a friend of mine who says, you know, don't tell me that child sacrifice doesn't exist in the Bay Area. I see it all the time in people. We sacrifice our children for the sake of our job. We sacrifice our spouses for the sake of our job because that becomes a security. That's the thing I got to do. That's the thing they cannot take from me because if they take that away from me, that, I'm nothing, nothing. Sometimes it's a relationship. People are in a relationship, and relationships are great. You're really blessed if you find someone that, that you love and you know, they love you back. You know? I think that's an important thing, they love you back. You, know? <laughs> now, they, you find someone to love, and they love you back, man. That is, that is really good. That is really, you know, love someone, they don't love you back. Okay, not as good. Okay. But, but if they love you back, it's really good. Sometimes, though it gets kicked up to such a level, that if it doesn't work out, man, you're totally crushed. It's like, it's like, it's like I can't, that's, I can't, I can't do it. You see, there's a level of concern and desire and, 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 and worry and, and, you know, and, and anguish over things, and that's normal. That's actually good. There's a level in which you put so much hope in it that without it, you can't survive. That is the level of idolatry. Because you and I would think that that is the thing that ultimately in this life saves us delivers us. And if we don't have it, I can't be delivered in this life. What also marks it as idolatry is the fact that what defines idolatry is the idol itself. That at the end, that idol is bound to fail you in this life. And so that which we put so much hope in, we pour our lives and surround important decisions in life around that 
idle, it will, in a strange way, it will all fail us in this life. Whether you have found the love of your life, sometimes arguments and disagreements will prematurely end it. And if you are fortunate enough to go through that, then surely health and death will end it. There's no way out. You could be the healthiest person in this world, and one day it will fail us. You could have your retirement. And the day that I am in my coffin, it means nothing to me. Because what makes things an idol is that they will ultimately all fail us at the end. If you don't understand this, you will not understand what Paul was writing about in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 1 to 7, when he talks about the things he sacrifices for the sake of Jesus Christ. Because that what he is writing, there's a foundational element that you have to understand. The reason why he could say this is because he has come to an earlier conviction that the hope of life is not in the things of this world, but in the true and living God in Jesus Christ. And you may say, well, Jesus Christ is just another idol, you know? You just replaced the, the, your idol of money and work for Jesus Christ. But, but you know, it, Jesus is very different, though. You see, because I have a hope and a conviction that Jesus Christ is not going to fail me. That bumps him out of idol range because he's going to deliver me. And it is that confidence that you have in Christ of what he has done that for you and I, whether we are just seeking Jesus Christ, trying to learn more things about him, or earlier in our walk, it is very, very important that you grapple with this theme. Because if you can't let go of the idol, and you can't even see it, there is no way any decision we are going to make in life that is going to deliver us. Because the idol never delivers us. Jesus Christ delivers us. And you have to understand that. And for some of you, as an application to this first point, you have to come to grips with, with this. Where you're going to put your trust and confidence and hope ultimately in life, as I did when I handed in my resignation about nine months ago. Well, that's the first point. The second point is, is really to old-timers and veteran Christians. And for old-timer and veteran Christians, this application is kind of connected to the first, but slightly different. And if you look at this passage that, we, that, that is in your program, you're going to see various themes that come up in Paul's writing 
First, he talks about, like in verse 4 and 5, do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife? And then the passage that was uh, projected on the screen, verse 12, uh, all these things we did not take for the, so we wouldn't hinder the gospel. Later on in verse 19, he says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. To the Jews I have become a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. So he talks about this flexibility. He talks about how he uh, is raised a certain way, but he will abdicate his personal preference for the sake of the greater call and the greater good, which for the Apostle Paul is the proclamation of the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he will be flexible, that he will abdicate some of his rights. And you say, well, why does he do this? Why does he do this? Well, first, I got to tell you, don't go away with the, with the application and conclusion that Paul is calling us to do the exact same thing. No. Jesus Christ, Paul, maybe one to others. Okay, that's it. None of us are going to apply it in the same way, but we are all going to apply it in some way. And the principle that the Apostle Paul gives is that what he is trying to, to convey to his audience is that there's a degree of surrender and sacrifice in life when you mature and you grow in Christ. That as you make decisions as an all-time Christian, it's always going to involve a degree of giving up something. It's always important in life to understand that. If you're married, you understand how important it is to listen to your spouse and to sometimes give up your right to do something for the sake of the other and vice versa. And you know how long a marriage it is if you don't have that. It's all about listening, adapting, submitting, sacrifice, and forgiving each other. That's it. Same thing about child rearing. Many people have children. If you don't sacrifice for your children, you'd come out with some weird kids, say that. <laughs> weird kids. I mean, you know, who, who's going to wake up and, and, and change a diaper, man? You want the kid to do it themselves? You know, I mean, this is impossible. You got you to wake up. You got to feed them, you know? It's like uh, my, 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 my daughter is getting married, and it's my last big check I write to her, you know? And, uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't bounce, you know? And, and, and so, uh, 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 you know, the, the sacrifice, I wish I kept a, a, a running account of how much I spent. <laughs> and then gave it to her groom and say, uh, there's a 10% discount as family members, but uh, you know, I, I want it back. Uh, no, it, never ha it won't happen. Neither, neither will I want it to happen. It's a free gift I give to her. Sacrifice. It's part of, this is why when you have family, you have to understand why Jesus Christ has to have done what he's done. Because we are in his image, and the whole family motif is in Christ and in the crucifixion. It is a free thing. It is not payback. Never payback. What a car during Father's Day wouldn't be bad, you know? Uh, 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 but, but no way. No way is it ever, ever payback. And so mm, the Apostle Paul talks about the sacrifice. And he said, well, why in the world is he, why, why in the world is he doing it? Well, the, the key is, 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 I think, is in this verse 23, if you're in your program. It reads like this. 
Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker of it with you. Now, now what does it mean to be a partaker of the gospel? Does it mean I gotta do this in order to earn my salvation? No, it doesn't talk about that, because only Paul and Jesus, you know, a few could do this. So they're not just, they're the only ones saved. No, he's not talking about being a Christian or, or trying to be a Christian. Not talking about that at all. He is talking about another level of involvement, participation. And it has to do with life decisions and life choices. For Paul, it was at this choice and decisions that he understood what Jesus Christ did for him that he wanted to go beyond just what he knew about Christ in his head and actually live it in his life so that he actually lives Jesus in how he, inter in, in, in how he interacts with individuals. Because there was no value in the sacrifice itself. The value is only when Apostle Paul understands that he is trying to reflect his Lord Jesus himself. And that's a very mature step you take and as you grow in Christ the theme of sacrifice and surrender has to be involved in the choices you make because Jesus Christ has to begin to take root in your heart and you have to begin to look a little bit like him for Paul it is the understanding of the Christ who was crucified for him who did not need to be crucified. For Paul, it is the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, takes on the form of man. He does not have to take the form of man. For Paul, it is the fact that he is, he is whipped and beaten, even though he is the king of kings. For Paul, it is the fact that Jesus gives up his life, even though he is the eternal Son of God. For Paul, he does that even though Paul was one of the early murderers of Christians. And so the depth of that sacrifice of Christ wasn't for Paul one of these, well, I'll just sign that insurance policy and I'm glad I'm in eternity. It was, thank you, Lord. And I want to be like you. It's a very different level of application. And that's on that real far end of maturity to which for many of us, we are on the journey and the path of where we need to go. You see, what connects these two points is kind of similar. What connects the two points is Jesus Christ and what he does to free us. For some, we hold on to the things of security and life. And there's nothing wrong to desire them, nothing wrong to even anguish about them or to be concerned. There is something wrong if, if you take them away, my life has no meaning anymore, or I feel like taking my life. Then it's idolatry level. If that is where you are, I ask that you pray that you let it go and you only let it go when you understand the replacement that Christ gives to you. For others, it is a matter of decision-making as a mature Christian or someone who's been on the journey for a while. Think of sacrifice, not for sacrifice itself, 
but to be like Jesus. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, in this message, Lord, we ask that you would work in our hearts and you would work in our minds, Lord, as we understand who you are and what you have done for us. For those with idols in life, and all of us by default mode have them, allow us to let them go and replace it with the security that is found in you and you alone. I pray, O oh Lord, for those who need to make decisions that as a journey in life, more and more we reflect the grace and surrender and sacrifice that is found in you because we want to be like you. So Lord, bless us, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.